Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship today. It's great to be with you all once again here in God's house to worship and to receive from him his very good gifts of word and sacrament today. Why don't we please stand and greet each other this morning in the name of the Lord and share the Lord's peace. And members, as always, if you see people that you don't recognize, please go say hi and welcome them today. Good morning and welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. I'm Nick Prater, your announcer for this Transfiguration of Our Lord Sunday. The Reverend Bill Marler will deliver today's message. Assisting in the worship service is the Reverend Jake Sletton. Our organist today is Mrs. Susan Sinigan. Their acolytes are Mackay Kleibecker and Hallie Shane. Today's order of service can be found at www.trinity1874.com. Our radio broadcast for today is sponsored by St. John's Lutheran Church in Stones Prairie and dedicated to the glory of God. Our opening hymn today will be number 680, verses 1 through 3. Thine the Amen, thine the praise, number 680 in the Lutheran service book. May God bless us as we worship together. Right, and so as you are taking your seats, I want to introduce this gentleman to my left. Uh, many of you know him. Uh, this is Pastor Bill Marler from Trinity in Springfield, and he is here uh, not only to preach today, but to commission his daughter as our eighth grade teacher. So we're really, really excited to have you here, and uh, I'm going to let him just share a few words for us today. I bring uh, greetings to you, not only from my own congregation, but mostly here today to bring greetings to you from the Missouri District Office and from our District President, Dr. Lee Hagan. Um, he has four Vice Presidents, and I'm honored to serve as first Vice President of the District, and we uh, share sometimes with Dr. Hagan the installation, the ordination, the commissioning of our professional church workers. Um, I am the only fellow that sorta is in the western part of the state. So while two fellows closer to St. Louis divide those congregations up and don't have to put a whole lot of miles on their car, and then there's one in the central part of the state, I pretty much get the western part of the state. And so for your commissioning this morning, uh, our superintendent of schools uh, had no idea when uh, we communicated and he said, well, I have a teacher for you there in Freistadt, a Mrs. Geyer, do you know her? And I said, I think I uh, can handle that uh, installation into office. So. But even more so, uh, to be able to worship with you on a festival day, this is the Festival of the Transfiguration, and I'm very pleased to do that and pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in God's sight. Pastor Marler, let's begin our worship today with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, Lord, that as we pray here, that none of us are here by chance. None of us are here this morning or are listening elsewhere by accident. 
But Lord, your very gospel has called us here because you want us to hear this. You want us to hear the good news. And so for that, Lord, we thank you. And now we ask that you would give us a zeal for your house of worship here. Truly, Lord, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We confess our sins. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. So then, in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain. The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. The Lord is great in Zion. Let them praise your great and awesome name.
The king in his might loves justice. Exalt the Lord our God, worship at his footstool. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Exalt the Lord our God, and worship at his holy mountain. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. be with you. Let us pray. O God, in the glorious transfiguration of your Son, you confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. 
In the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully, make us co-heirs with the King in his glory, and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for this morning is taken from Exodus chapter 24. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. Behold, Aaron and, and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. This is the word of our Lord. Praise the Lord, all nations. For great is his steadfast love toward us. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Our special music today comes to us from the Men's Glee, singing All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name, accompanied by Mrs. Carol Kleibecker.
Thank you very much, Men's Glee, for sharing your talents with us today. It's now time for all the young disciples who are here today to come forward for the children's message, and now is a good time also to bring up your Mighty Mites, your offering, as well. Good morning, everyone. You guys can turn around and face me, please. What are some things in your life that you were told not to do? What are some things that, that you're told not to do? Do your parents ever tell you, don't touch the stove when it's, when it's hot? Yeah. 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 Do your parents ever tell you, don't eat too much candy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Me, you guys are all laughing at that, yeah. They sometimes do. You're right. You're right. Have your parents ever told you don't ever look directly at the sun? Okay, well, if they haven't, I'm telling you, don't ever look directly at the sun. Do you know why? Because it'll burn your eyes, and why will it burn your eyes, Colin? Because it's so bright. Right, right. You might not be able to see. Okay? So, don't ever look at the sun because it is really, 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 really bright. Now, I'm not able to pull the sun down for you to look at, but I do have a flashlight. This is my favorite flashlight. Do you know why this is my favorite flashlight? It lights up, yes. In the dark, yes, but because that's all true, because it's really bright. I have, at night, just for fun, I have gone outside of my house. Where's my house again? Over, over here, right? Okay, over here. So, I have gone outside of, of my house, and with this flashlight, I have just, I just wanted to see how far that the light would shine. And do you know that I can stand next to my garage and shine the flashlight over to the church building on this side, and you can see that dot? It's a pretty good flashlight. Now, what were to happen if you looked directly at the flashlight? What were to happen? No, 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 don't. Okay. What were to happen if you looked directly at the flashlight, Cohen? It would burn your eyes, right? I say, yes, I say all of this to get us around to the gospel lesson for today and the message that Pastor Marler is going to be preaching to us for. 
Jesus' transfiguration, it's a big, long word, but really it's just a fancy word for saying that when the disciples and Jesus had gone up, uh, um, hang on a minute, when the disciples and Jesus had gone up on the mountain, something amazing happened. Jesus became as bright as the sun. You couldn't even look at it. You couldn't even look at it. Brighter than even this flashlight. He became as bright as the the sun. And the reason why he became as bright as the sun is to show us, number one, how awesome that he is, but but number two, to show us his glory. Right? And to show us that he is who he had, had been saying all the way up until that point, that he is who he'd been saying that he is, that he is God's son. And then something else amazing happened. Guess what happened then? The father speaks, and do you know what he says? He says, this is my son. And he says, this is my son. And two more words, listen to him. And so that's what Pastor Marler is going to be talking about in just a moment. So pay particular attention to that and pay particular attention to why the Father wants us to listen to his Son. Okay? Will you guys pray with me, please? Dear Jesus, thank you for your glory. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising again for me. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for coming up, and you guys can go back and sit with your folks. The epistle reading for this morning is taken from 2 Peter chapter 1. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, For we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of our Lord. Please stand. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. 
and he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Our hymn of the day is number 414 in the Lutheran service book, Tis Good Lord to Be Here, number 414. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It is a joy to be with you this morning. There is the story of the little Roman Catholic boy who had been to vacation Bible school, summer camp, four or five revivals with his best friend, a Protestant little boy from a Lutheran church. And then one day, the Catholic boy invited the Lutheran boy to his church, and the Lutheran family was a little bit nervous 
said, we want you to just be really good in church and just follow your friend and ask him, whisper to him whatever he needs. And so all along the way, the things with which he wasn't familiar, a little genuflecting here and there, he would ask his Catholic friend, what does that mean? What does that mean? And then it came time from the sermon, and the priest got into the pulpit, and he prepared for the sermon, and he took off his watch, and he set it right there. And the little Lutheran boy said, what does that mean? What does that mean? And the Catholic boy said, absolutely nothing. (laughs) But we'll try to make it mean something for you this morning. First, they saw the flash, blinding, brighter, more brilliant Then a dozen suns, seconds later, they heard the blast and they felt the shock waves, equivalent to over 20,000 tons of TNT. And then slowly, majestically, they saw for the first time in their lives a mushroom cloud. It was yellow, then red, then purple, then green, and finally bright white. It rose seven and a half miles into the sky. All of them were wearing specially made goggles in the safety of a bunker over five miles away. That was July the 16th, 1945. It was the world's first nuclear detonation. Do you remember the code name for that project? Trinity. Trinity. In the desert of New Mexico, it was only a test. It was strange because it was one of the most beautiful sights man had ever seen. And yet the destructive power of this nuclear explosion was beyond imagination. Less than a month later, two atomic bombs brought an end to World War II and to many lives. Imagine the power. Today is a very powerful day on the church's liturgical calendar. It's the final day of our epiphany season. It remembers a glorious event in the life and ministry of our Savior Jesus Christ. It's a holy day and we call it the Festival of the Transfiguration. It's our final celebration. It'll be a while, seven weeks before Easter, when we will sing our Alleluia's again. As Jesus and his disciples descended from that mountaintop experience of glory and unimaginable power, they began their trip to Jerusalem. Their expectations were for something quite different, but they would see their Savior suffer and die. Just three days from now, we will begin a somber journey we take each year into the penitential days of Lent. In this sermon, I want to tell you what happened in Jesus' transfiguration those many years ago and tell it to you a little bit like a reporter would. The who, the where, the when, the what, the how of it. And then, of course, as Pastor Sletton promised the children, the why. What does it mean today? Matthew is our gospel writer during this year's when we turn back to series A, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have something to say. So if we want to get the whole story from Scripture, we will look at all the details of their account. We start with the who. 
This will involve four people. Well, kind of. Jesus, all of the gospel writers say, take Peter, James, and John, his brother, these three apostles who often formed an inner circle of prayer with Jesus. He takes them along with him. There will be two mystery guests who will appear that boggle the imagination with power. They're real people. They are there in their real bodies, the bodies that God knit together in their mother's wombs. But one of them had been dead and gone for 1,500 years, and the other hadn't been around for seven or eight centuries. It was none other than the prophet Moses and the prophet Elijah. Where it took place, we cannot be sure. We know the vicinity where Jesus was. He has just come with his disciples from uh, pagan or mixed territory in Caesarea Philippi. Uh, But he's in that northern vicinity, and it says it's a a very high mountaintop. The two most likely candidates would be Mount Tabor or Mount Hermon. But again, the Holy Spirit chose not to focus on the name of the mountain as he did with Mount Sinai. We all know where Moses was when he had his mountaintop experience. When did it happen? Well, it was in the year that Jesus died. It was right before his final journey from the north down into Jerusalem. But the uh, gospel writer Matthew and Mark tells us that it was exactly six days after Peter's confession in Caesarea Philippi. Remember, Jesus sort of gave him a final exam before they would... Uh, go to Jerusalem for the last time, he asked them, who do people say that I am? And Peter, the spokesman for the group, said, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, and confessed a lot more theology than that. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus burst into joy, because not because they passed the final exam on their own, but because he said, the Holy Spirit has given you this confession, this rock, this faith. So that's the who, and the where, and the when, and now the what. And that's where the substance of our story is. On top of the mountain, thinking they are just on one of the many prayer retreats that Jesus often has, the, it's actually Luke who tells us that they were heavy with sleep. They were deep into the night with sleep. And they could not have known what was happening, but something woke them. And when they finally looked up and saw the sight before them, the amazing sight, Luke says they were fully awake then when they realized a miracle was taking place. That miracle was what the Greek calls metamorpho. We get the word metamorphosis from that. Transfiguration is the English word we use in our scriptures. Jesus himself is morphing. He is being changed and transfigured into something other than what they had seen Jesus be. And the descriptions are there. Matthew says, his face shone like the sun. Not that the sun was reflecting off of his face, but his face itself shone out, light as bright as that sun, a burning light. Matthew also says his clothes themselves became white as light. 
Mark uses some other interesting adjectives. Mark says it's radiant. Mark says it's so intensely white as no one on earth could ever bleach such whiteness. And Luke uses the word dazzling and says the appearance of his face was altered. We can only imagine such power, such brilliance. Next, appearing also to the three disciples, two other men shone up in that light. And it's Luke that says they also appeared in a glorious state, not described like Jesus, from whom light was coming, but in that glory. And these two men, whom they were given the knowledge to recognize as Moses and Elijah, were talking with Jesus. Now, Elijah, we can, uh, when we know his story, we can deduce something. Elijah is a fellow, remember, who didn't have to die. He was taken by the angels, was described as a fiery chariot, and rather than dying and waiting for the resurrection day, his body was glorified, and he went to heaven. So he is one human being whose body, resurrected, glorified, uh, is already in heaven. Moses is a little more mysterious than that. Moses dies, we know, and the Bible says God buried him. And for weeks and weeks, the Israelites were looking for him. He wasn't that far away from them. They were looking for his grave. And the writer who ends that book of Moses says they were never able to find the body. Maybe that's why. Now in the New Testament, we see these two For Moses, resurrected and glorified, for some strange reason not known until the day of transfiguration, but it's an important calling for them. Moses represents the creation of Israel. He is the great deliverer. No prophet like him ever arose in Israel. And Elijah is the first of that company of prophets all the way down to uh, Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament. And this calling for them is to come back to earth on this mountaintop and talk with Jesus. Again, we so appreciate Luke's detail. He tells us what they're talking about. Moses and Elijah are strengthening Jesus. They're talking about, quote, his departure and all he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Jerusalem, in his final visit, in his final week, would be the whole reason why he came to earth and spent 33 years here. Now, the next detail we get, Luke says, as Moses and Elijah were were parting, were leaving, Peter suddenly starts talking, and he talks to Jesus. And, And we have three different titles in the three different gospel writers. Lord, Rabbi, Master, it's good that we are here. You see, the thing is about to end, this amazing glory is about to leave. If you wish, I will build three tabernacles. I will build three tents for you to dwell among us, to stay here. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And Luke tells us, or Mark tells us, that Peter didn't really know what he was saying because they were all so afraid. And while he's still kind of rambling on, a bright cloud comes and overshadows them, Luke says, they literally enter the cloud, and a voice comes from the cloud that they can all hear, 
And the voice says, This is my beloved Son, again Luke, my chosen one, whom with I am well pleased. Listen to him. Well, the disciples are so terrified at this point. And Peter, who's typical Peter, he's got to talk before he thinks. He's got to put his foot in his mouth. But he's got to do something. We people have to do something. God is present. We can't just be still and know that he is God. And now they've reached a point where they're so terrified in imagining this power that they fall down to their faces. Now that's a worship position in the Old Testament days, but here... It's mostly just a position of fear. It's like the little child in the bedroom at night who thinks he's seeing shadows and the imagination begins to go and everything he's ever seen in those little movies and cartoons he wasn't supposed to watch about ghosts and goblins, it's all coming to him. And so what do you do to protect yourself? You just put your cover over your head because if you can't see it, it's not there. And like children, they're lost in the awe and the fear. And shortly thereafter... The last detail of the story, Jesus comes to them. Notice Jesus always has to come to us. And he touches them. He brings them back to material, physical reality here on earth. And he says, fellows, stand up. Don't be afraid. And Matthew says, when they looked up, they only saw Jesus. Why such a story? We know the how of it. It's a miracle of God. It's one of the grandest miracles in the life and public ministry of Jesus. But why? Well, part of it's in the past. Part of it was in this present. And the most of it is for the future, of which we are now a part of. In the past, Deuteronomy 18.15, God promised that Though Moses was the greatest prophet ever in the Old Covenant days, there would be a prophet who would be raised up like unto Moses, and all of Israel and all of the people would be to listen, to listen to him. So God repeats this. This is confirmation day for the apostles. Only three are invited, and they will be the witnesses. Why, however, we wonder... Maybe they three disciples did too, that such a significant event, the confirmation of Jesus as the Son of God, a tremendous event in his public ministry coming right before his death, why would it happen in such a remote place? Why not in Jerusalem? Why just three eyewitnesses? Why not the, all of the apostles, all of the believers, all of the city of Jerusalem, those corrupt priests? even the pagan Romans and the soldiers in town. I mean, at Mount Sinai, the entire nation was there to see the glory of God on the top of that mountain. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. Some say Israel was perhaps a million people out there in the desert. Here on this mountain, heaven again comes down to touch earth. God is revealed in His Son in divine light, and only three pitiful eyewitnesses who can't even look at it. Why? The reason is because it's only a glimpse of glory. Glory is what human beings want. Being lifted up is what human beings want. 
The kind of lifting up that Jesus was about to face is not what human beings in our sinful nature desire. Jesus is headed to another mountain. It's not a very high mountain. It's just a crag right outside the walls of Jerusalem. He is preparing his disciples for that mountaintop experience. They heard God's voice. They they weren't there to hear it at the baptism. Not Peter. Not James. Not John. But now they hear it. And it says, focus on my son Jesus. Listen to him. And when they open their eyes, that's all there is in their connection with God. Only Jesus. But Jesus is all they will need. The three could not comprehend, understand, or explain what was going on. And then Jesus tells them, what you have seen and heard, say nothing to anyone about it until I have been raised from the dead. You can't speak more clearly about what's going to happen, and yet they are still clueless. But after the resurrection... They are joined by the eight other disciples and Jesus' mother and the other women who were with them, and within a month, over 500 eyewitnesses. Jesus is trying to teach them and us yet today that the heart of his ministry is his death and resurrection. It is his cross and his open tomb. On the mountain of Sinai, the law was given to Moses, but The covenant of law in the nation of Israel, that's not the end game. It was never the end game. On the Mount of Transfiguration, the very Son of God in the person of Jesus, the Messiah, is present there on earth, and he gives three men a glimpse of divine glory. But the Transfiguration day is not the end of the story. They left the mountain together. They're back in the real world. And Jesus takes them right back down into the fallen, sinful world that is full of darkness, full of troubles, full of idolatry, full of immorality, full of sickness and strife, full of brokenness and hurting families, full of disease. It is a world of death. Just like when we come into the presence of God every week in this divine service, And catch a little glimpse of God, of his glory, of his peace, of his forgiveness, and his love. And then what happens? The bells ring, and we have to depart and descend right back into our messy world today. As they left the mountain of transfiguration, the last thing that Peter, James, and John heard ringing in their ears was the Lord's own voice. Stand up! Get back to it, and don't be afraid. Again, in just a bit of time, we're going to leave the presence of God in your beautiful sanctuary here and in the divine service, and we too will hear the Lord's own voice ringing in our ears through the voice of the pastor saying, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Remember that American World War II project at the beginning of the sermon with the code name Trinity? Remember that amazing power? Realize that the one who created the nucleus of every atom 
has infinitely, infinitively greater power than that. How could anyone exposed to such divine power ever survive? Well, the elders of Israel went up Sinai and they saw the God of Israel, and yet they ate and drank with him, and Moses entered the cloud. Peter, James, and John went up the Mount of Transfiguration and saw the glory of Christ in all of his power, but he did not destroy him. Why not? How can we know God and have such a personal close relationship as he has given us through our baptism? How can the one who knows us best and knows the worst of the shame inside of us not give up on us? and discard us? The answer is on top of that mountain of transfiguration, and even more so at Calvary, because the creator of the power of the universe came not to destroy or even to show off his glory, but to keep it veiled until he had made us holy enough to live in his presence, until Jesus had gone to the cross. So let us now Prepare our hearts in these next few days to again follow him to the cross and to a new future. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. We now confess together the words of our Christian faith. We do so using the Apostles' Creed. It is found printed in the back cover of your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Geyer, would you please come forward? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, Marissa Kate Geyer has been properly elected and called to serve as a teacher at Trinity Lutheran Church and School here in Freistadt, Missouri, in the Missouri District. This office has been established in love by the church to support the office of the Holy Ministry and to assist and strengthen Christian fathers and mothers in their God-given responsibility to bring up their children in the nurture and instruction of the Lord. Please hear from the Word of God as we'll all be instructed uh, in this holy work of God this morning. From Romans chapter 12. By the grace given to me, the Apostle Paul says, I say to everyone among you, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, 
So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in teaching. And also, again, a reminder to uh, parents and grandparents and guardians who are raising children who are in this church and school that your teachers here in the school and also in the Sunday school and other education programs are there to assist you. Primary responsibility for the raising of your children and the religious instruction is on your shoulders and in your hearts. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. And parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And for all of us, from Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Marissa, you have uh, fairly long ago already been commissioned into the roster of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and served as a minister of gospel at the Texas district, and we will repeat and renew the vows that you spoke then as you serve now in the Missouri district and in this place. Do you believe and confess the canonical books of the Old and New Testament to be the inspired word of God and the only infallible rule of faith and practice? If so, answer yes. Do you believe and confess the three ecumenical creeds, namely the Apostles, the Nicene, and the Athanasian creeds? as faithful testimonies to the truth of the Holy Scriptures? And do you reject all the errors which they condemn? If so, answer yes. And as you were trained in our synodical system uh, in the Book of Concord, do you confess the unaltered Augsburg Confession to be a true exposition of Holy Scripture and a correct exhibition of the doctrine of the Evangelical Church, Lutheran Church? Do you confess the apology of the Augsburg Confession the small and large catechisms of Martin Luther, the small called articles, the treatise on the power and primacy of the Pope, and the formula of Concord, as these are all contained in the book of Concord, but they are also in agreement with this one scriptural faith. If so, answer yes, I make these confessions my own, because they are in accord with the scriptures. Two more questions. Do you solemnly promise faithfully to continue to serve God's people in this teaching ministry in accordance with the scripture and these confessions? If so, yes, I promise with the help of God. And finally, will you, trusting in God's care, seek to grow in love for those you serve, strive for excellence in your skills, and adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ with a godly life? Please answer, yes, I will with the help of God. I now address this congregation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you have heard the renewal of this confession and solemn promises of Mrs. Marissa Geyer, who is serving here on a divine call to be teacher in the church and school that you support and sponsor. 
And so I ask you in the presence of God and of each other, will you receive her, show her fitting love and honor, and support her by your gifts and especially fervent prayer? If so, answer, we will, with the help of God. And the Almighty and most merciful God strengthen and assist you always. And it is my privilege now, Marissa, to install you as teacher at Trinity Lutheran Church and School in the Missouri District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we pray. Gracious and most merciful Lord, we thank you for providing faithful men and women in your church to assist and support the office of the Holy Ministry and its work among us. Grant your Holy Spirit to Marissa and to all of this faculty and adorn them with wisdom and power from on high. Incline both young and old to godliness and obedience and let them so benefit by instruction in your holy word that they may serve you all their days and finally obtain eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Go in peace and joy, the almighty and most merciful God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you, bless you, and strengthen you for faithful service in his name. We'll now gather our tithes and offerings, and the pew that you're in is a red sign-in book, and whether you are a member or a guest with us, we ask that you would please fill that out so that we know that you were here to worship with us today, and if you are a guest with us, we ask that you would leave us some way that we might be able to reach you to thank you for coming to Trinity this morning. We collect our tithes and offerings. announcements this morning. I'd like to say that Ash Wednesday service will be on February 26th at 7 p.m. Also, Trinity Lutheran School Carnival is on Friday, March 6th from 5.30 to 9 p.m. There will be dinner, games, and a silent auction and live auction. Come enjoy the evening with us. On March the 5th, the Singing Saints from the St. Paul Lutheran High School will be at Trinity at 7 p.m. to present a choir concert. We invite your friends and neighbors to this choir presentation.
Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Dear Lord, in everything you did and said in your time here on earth, it was all pointing to one event, to the cross and to the empty tomb. We thank you that the glory that was revealed on the mountaintop was the same glory that will one day be revealed to us when your Son returns to us. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we ask that the school that we have would be a place where we love to learn, and where we learn to love you as you, and where we learn to love others as you have loved us. We thank you for all of the faculties, teacher, and for all of the faculty, teachers, and staff, and we pray that we would come to each day prepared by your Spirit to advance the kingdom of God. Lord, in your mercy. For the preservation of marriage, that God would defend husbands and wives from every assault of the enemy, support them in their faithfulness and loving service to one another, and grant them joy in every time. Lord, in your mercy. For all public servants and those whom you have given to us to care for us, that they may be supported and upheld in every good deed. Lord, in your mercy. For all of those who are sick, for all of those who suffer, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally, especially for all those that are on our health list, and for all whom we name before you in our hearts. We humbly pray that you would heal them in every way. Lord, in your mercy. And finally, Lord, we thank you for the gift of your body and blood present in the sacrament today. And we pray, Lord, that these good gifts would be for our good as you have, as you have designed all of our gifts for us to be, Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we also pray for all of those who are celebrating anniversaries. We thank you for Linda and for Bob, who will celebrate 52 years of marriage on February the 24th. And we pray that you would continue to wrap yourselves, that, that you would continue to wrap yourself in their marriage, and that you would continue to lead them in every way. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, for all with birth days, we thank you for Ruth, as she is celebrating 93 years of life, and we pray, Lord, that you would continue to lead her in every way and continue to guide her by your Holy Spirit. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who, having 
created all things, took on human flesh, and was born of the Virgin Mary. For our sake he died on the cross and rose from the dead to put an end to death, thus fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. The Lord's Supper is God's gift for Christians who are properly taught. In communing, we want people to receive Christ's body and blood for their good. This means that as you come to the Lord's table, that you affirm that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and with Lutheran Christians, you confess. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament, and under the form of the bread and wine, I receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sin and the strengthening of my faith and life. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, we took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
contribution hymns today is number 700 in the Lutheran Service Book, Love Divine, All Love Excelling, number 700.
second of our distribution hymns today is number 620 in the Lutheran service book. Jesus comes today with healing, number 620.
Please stand. And now may this, our Savior's body and blood, strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith until life that is everlasting. Depart in his peace and joy. Amen. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us with this salutary gift. And we ask you that of your mercy that you would uplift us to the same, in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. announcements before we close with our worship today. First of all, another thanks to Pastor Marler for coming and sharing the good word with us today. Our Ash Wednesday service will be this coming Wednesday. It's here already. On February 26th at 7 p.m. Please join us for that. The Ladies' Aid will have a mission workday tomorrow, Monday, February 24th, beginning at 9 o'clock in the morning in the Fellowship Hall. Bring a covered dish to share for lunch. Everyone is invited. And the Trinity Lutheran School Carnival is on Friday, March 6th from 5.30 to 9 p.m. There will be dinner, games, a silent auction, and a live auction. Please come and enjoy enjoy the evening with us. And finally, the Singing Saints will be here at Trinity on March 5th at 7 p.m. Please come and hear this choir, and please also invite your friends and neighbors to join us as well. As all of the announcements that I have, I pray that you all have a very 
very, wait, there was one more that was given to me late. I'm just now remembering it. Where did I put it? Oh, I know where it is over here. Sorry about that. One last announcement that I was given this morning uh, is for our congregation family to please, to please pray uh, for Dave Schmidt as he has passed away. Brenda, his wife, and their children, Dustin and Zach, came to our school. Um, services are Saturday the 29th in Mount Vernon, so we will certainly uh, be praying for that family as well. And so I pray that you all have a very, very blessed week. It has been our pleasure to bring you this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you are not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen by means of this broadcast on FreistatRadio.com. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things. Thank you.